I'm Justin Hayat, and this is 36. The Lamed Vav Siddiquim is a tale built on the idea that out there in the universe, somewhere in the far corners of the world, there are 36 anonymous, really good people who hide in the shadows but step forward when we need them most. In 2020, somehow, I managed to get on a plane to Israel to find out more about these secret souls and hear their stories. This is my journey to find wonder and goodness in our once magical world. Have you ever met a man who's been on a journey, trekked through countries and deserts, through night and day, through death and redemption, and came out smiling? I mean, smiling. That may sound like a movie, but for Rabbi Shalom Sharon, it's life. I'll let him tell his story. He does it far better than I ever could. But you must know one thing about him. One signature thing that this podcast cannot convey. And that this interview cannot translate. And that is that Shalom Sharon has the most infectious smile. He welcomed me into his home in Kiryat Gat with a scream and with loud laughter. I see his smile and he rushes us inside to offer us food and water and get us situated. We walk past his teenage son on the couch watching TV, like teenagers do. And then we sat down in his study, set up the equipment, and dove right in, into the life, story, and grace of one of my favorite people ever. This is my conversation with Rabbi Shalom Sharon. here in Kiryat Gat, 26 miles from the Gaza border, in the south of Israel. The birds are chirping outside. I'm in the office of Rabbi Dr. Shalom Sharon, the first Ethiopian rabbi in the state of Israel, recognized by the state of Israel. Welcome to the show. Shalom, shalom, manishma, Justin. All good. How are you? I'm with you in the south of Israel. What could be better? The birds are chirping. I walked through your house. I saw pictures of your kids and your journey and your wife. There's a picture of you and your wife maybe 20 years ago with uh, Gitzhak Shamir, former prime minister of Israel. I'm surrounded by pictures and books and Hebrew and English and other language. And I'm just so happy to be sitting with you and in conversation. And Justin, I'm also happy to host you here in my house. And this moment is a miracle moment. Miracle moment. You know why? Because when I... I'm not that good of a guest. <laughs> <laughs> when I open the Bible, when I open the Bible and I read how all the prophets promised to us that in one day, God will be in gathering his people and he will bring them to Jerusalem. And this is a moment. This is a moment. Yeah. We sit here in Eretz Israel, in Holy Land, in Kiryat Gat. So I'm very happy. Your story is like an epic, you know, Jewish story that is emblematic of kind of like a larger movement. You know, the Israeli government doing Operation yes. Operation Solomon, correct? Solomon, Operation Moses. Solomon, Operation Moses to bring our brothers and sisters from Ethiopia to Eretz Israel. It's easy to look now and and walk through the streets of Israel and see our Ethiopian brothers and sisters and think, oh, wow, diversity, this is nice. The broad um, mosaic of the Jewish people. But back then, it's like a tale and an epic one. What is your story? What happened so that we could sit here today in Eretz Israel and uh, eat? We just ate a cookie that your daughter made, homemade. Like, What happened that brings us to today? I was born in Ethiopia. And I remember my grandfather, he used to sit with us under a shady tree in our village, an only Jewish village. Because in Ethiopia, the village is only Jewish. So you, always, you were born and you knew you were a Jew and you knew you were different. Yeah. So we can't live together with Christians. Only in Jewish village. You know, even if I'm going to touch Christians, I got immediately to be um, purity. Wow. So I have to go to the river and clean myself. Is one side. In the other side, 
Jewish people never, never feel that which they better from the Christians. Right. And we feel equal. And we were like brothers and sisters, Muslim right. and Christians and Jewish people. Yet you live separate and you were separate. Yeah. And you were different. You, of you, course. You knew you were different. You were a kippah from a young age. Uh, no, in Ethiopia, there is no kippah. Kippah is something new. But we keep all the commandment which exist in the Bible. All the commandment, Shabbat, and all the commandment like Yom Kippur, like Rosh Hashanah, all the commandment which exists in the Bible without the Talmud. In Ethiopia, Talmud or the Mishnah does not exist there. Only the Bible. On the Bible, there is no 24 books. There is 67 books. So it's so different. You can't imagine that the Ethiopian Jews, they are a single Jews, which they all their tradition based on, on the Bible. When the other Jews in the world, all their traditions based on, on the Talmud. Right. So we speak about two categories, two models of the Masoret, it means uh, traditions, of the uh, Jewish people wow. and Ethiopian Jews and other Jews, we stand in Mount Sinai, okay? And we got the Torah, but the Ethiopian Jews develop, develop in, in, you know, in one path. And this is amazing, this is something else. And all our tradition and all our religions based on only on the Bible. For example, I can tell you, you know who is uh, circ circumcised me? Circumcision? Yeah. My grandmother. Grandma. She, oh, wow. she did me. You don't get that in the United States. Of course. You are crazy. <laughs> no. My grandma, she was my mohelet. Wow. And I want to tell you, secret, Justin. She did a good work. <laughs> and when I tell people here that which my grandma she did me uh, she made right. my mohelet you crazy and I used to answer uh, open the bible and look who did me brit mila circumcise to the son of Moses right Zipporah I'll jump a bit and then we'll go back. Yeah. When you hear like that traditionalist practice, right? Where yeah. you did exactly what the Bible says and Jewish law says. And then fast forward to kind of like, uh, as it relates to Ethiopian Jewry, is similar also with Russian Jewry that came to Israel. You know, there are some voices that have said over the years, well, maybe not all of them were Jewish. Some of them just wanted to get away. And then you hear beyond the apparent pain of <laughs> the circumcision, right? You think of like the purity of like you were so Jewish in how you lived your life, yet because of your skin color, your Judaism is being questioned or, you know, murmured about in a way that uh, you probably would not have for uh, the traditional Ashkenazi Jews that fought in their Urgun or, or, or fought with uh, Ben-Gurion or ex what have you. What do you think? I mean, do you just think it's like total bullshit or are you like, or does it energize you that your Judaism was so by the book and so pure that it endows everything you believe in, every, every reason why you're here. So this is, a, a, you know, the conflict, a big conflict. And this is actually, I used to say, this accident of history about the, the tradition of Jewish people. Accident of history. Because when the first Jewish, Europe Jewish, he's white, he came to visit us in Ethiopia. Professor Yosef Alevi in 1867. And no one from my community once met... A white person, a white Jew. Yeah, a white Jew, Jewish, yeah. And, and he told them, I am Jewish. Really? You are Jewish? Yes. Right, because to you, a Jew, yeah. a Jew was... Why Jewish? Yeah. And we can't recognize him as a Jew. And when Yosef Alevi mentioned one word, suddenly all the Jewish people in Ethiopia believe him which he Jewish. You know what was uh, just in the world? Jerusalem. When Yosef Alevi mentioned Jerusalem and suddenly all my community in Ethiopia believe him which Yosef Alevi Jew. Even he was white. But 
it was very, very hard to explain to the white people, to explain to the Israeli rabbinate that Ethiopian, we are Jewish. Right. And I think it's because the skin color. I think. The skin color. I think. It's not, it's not racism. You know, like us. Because for us, it was very, very hard to recognize white, white Jews as a Jew. Right. So, but the other side, also the, uh, the rabbinate white Jewish, they, it's very hard to them to recognize right. us. It's not, it's not like racism. It's something in consciousness, to change the consciousness. It's very, very important because you, all the time you, 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 you used to say white, And suddenly you, you see something, uh, uh, something get. Right. For example, even in America, have orthodox, have conservative, and reform, okay? Even in America, white people, they very hard to meet each other. Right. So, uh, you know, uh, but you are Ashkenazi? I'm not sure. Ah, you orthodox? Reform? No, no way. Right, right, right. Oh. So, and we have here that 2,000 years, during 2,000 years, they not meet others. So <laughs> why uh, Ethiopian Jews and others is... Uh, uh, so my wife, she is Mek Aliyah from Switzerland. She's Ashkenazi. Wow. Oy Vezmir. <laughs> yekes, yekes, very yekes. <laughs> and once we went to the officer here in office to get something, you know, the certificates, and uh, my wife, she wrote which she was born in Switzerland. And I wrote, which I was born in Ethiopia. And suddenly the guy there, he was in shock. He asked my wife, really? You was born in, in Switzerland? Yes, I was. And why did you make Aliyah to Jerusalem? To leave Switzerland like paradise and make Aliyah to Israel? You are crazy. And he looked at me and say, oh, I, I can't understand you. <laughs> yes, you know, to move from Africa to Israel is, 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 makes sense. Right. But, and this is a big, a big, big mistake of preconception. If you are from Ethiopia, you probably move to Israel in order to, you know, improve your, your life. Yeah. Yeah, from Africa to a Western world. But if you come from Australia or from America, okay, yeah. from Switzerland, of course, this is a Zionism. And this is, I think, have preconception. And this, unfortunately, because we have a lot of work to do here. But the work is not, this is a microcosmos. Yeah. What Jewish world today, uh, the challenge, how we created the bridge between one group, the other groups. Right. And this is a very, very important. And Perfect. I think, Justin, Ethiopian Jews can use as a bridge. And Ethiopian Jews, because they are very different color and also with their tradition, but they are authentic Jewish, I think they can use as um, antibiotic, you know, to be a bridge between religious and non-religious, conservative and orthodox and reform, I think Ethiopian Jews, this is a, a present, how do you say, the present to a Jewish world today. Wow. So take me back to the village you grew up in and then tell me more about the journey that kind of spiraled from there because it's a pretty amazing one and it's one that I don't think is told enough in English. I think the story of any Ethiopian Jew coming to Israel through um, Operation Solomon, I think it's kind of like the fall of the Soviet Union and, and the plight of Soviet Jewry. It's something that most millennials living in the States, Jewish, non-Jewish, whatever, cannot wrap your head around. But specifically your story. Yeah. Tell me about and tell our listeners about what happened to you. You know, since I, I remember in Ethiopia, I all the time, I know about my, my identity. I am Jewish. And as I mentioned before, we did all the commandment which exists in the Bible. And I remember also how my, grand, my grandpa, he opened the book, the Bible, and say, or he told me all the time, Zode is the Ethiopian name. Zode, one day 
will be in Jerusalem. And, and he told me, listen, wow. in Jerusalem, there is honey. And all the building is gold, made by gold. And you sit like the paradise. And you, like paradise, and there is no sorrow. There is no war. There is no worry. All the time you're happy. And I, I remember, I asked my grandpa, Grandpa, where is Jerusalem? Any answer like this, go straight. And I promise to you, if you uh, keep going and never stop, this is my secret, I promise to you that at the end, you will see Jerusalem. And not exaggerate, Justin. Next morning, very next morning, my friend, he died. And me, at this time, we were only seven years old. And my friend, Zichon Olivracha, was nine years old. We left our village. What was his name? Mesfin. 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 And like crazy, seven years around animals in Africa, tiger. You were going north. To, uh, to Jerusalem. So every day you would just wake up and walk. All the time, walk, walk, running, and never stop. We never stop. And we cross the border, the border which separate, separate between the, our, our area and the other area. In and, Ethiopia. In Ethiopia. So and, villages. And, yeah, in villages. And there, on the other side, uh, we arrested by, uh, by the government. They thought that we are, uh, how do you say, suspicion. Sus right, that you were doing something illegal or that. Yeah, something no Smuggling legal. or. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Spy, spy, yeah. And you were seven yeah. and nine years old. Yeah, it's crazy. Your parents did not go with you. No, no, they, even they don't know. Because this was our secret to make Aliyah. And after that one day, our parents, they were, they were very worried. Where were our sons? Okay. And we. We return after four days, and our family was, uh, you know, my friend actually he continued to uh, to the other village, and I uh, come back uh, by myself, and my parents they were uh, they were sure that uh, I'm already already died, and suddenly I appear, but this was uh, my first opportunity to make aliyah is to immigrant by myself in seven years old to Eretz Israel. But half a year later, we got a message. Now, please immediately leave your village and go straightly to the Sudan. Who, who gave you the message? We don't know. It was Just, a rumor. This is a, how do you say? Uh, yeah. Rumor. Rumor, yes. We don't ask, you know, we are, if Ethiopian Jews, we were a Yeke people, like Germany, no one moved. Okay, it's rumor. Okay, ah, who told you? Ah, we we hear from Jerusalem, so on. And where? What about our neighbors? He disappeared, and he he went to to Jerusalem, and and one one in our village, one family disappeared, the other family disappeared. Slowly, slowly. No so it one. made sense, and, and you didn't want to stay there because you didn't want to be alone. Your yeah, family. of course. So you you went with the went with the flow, and it felt right. Yes. And so all in one day, all our uh, three villages, we left our villages in uh, about uh, 2200 uh, people and go to direction uh, Sudan, to Sudan country. And we walk by our foot during two months. And we like matzah, we ate matzah, like yeah. water. Two months, you, you walked for two months in Africa yeah. from Ethiopia to Sudan, yeah. which is south, correct? Yeah. Did anyone think, why are we going further away from Jerusalem? Why are we going further south to go backwards in order to go forwards? You know, did anyone think like this seems odd or what made you trust Listen, that? Justin, it's not like if I am Jewish living in America. And I asked myself now, oh, it's just uh, good to move to Israel. I work here. I have family. It's better. No better. No, there is no question. This is uh, like what happened in uh, Muhammad al-Sinai, in Mount Sinai, that uh, God gave us Torah and no one asked if we, we want to, to, to get the Torah. So no one asked. This is uh, one option to go to Jerusalem. There is no option. But what pushed you? Like, like you're walking, marching in a direction. What moved you to do that? Who pushed me 
to left my village when I was only seven years old. Who pushed me? When I was only seven years old, around animals. And I, my friend and me, only in seven years old, we running to Jerusalem like crazy people. This is a love. Love, which love, uh, I know, uh, how do you say, Trump, fear. And this is, is I mean, the, you know, a, a tension between fear and love. And the love of Jerusalem. A town, a place you had never been, nor you probably had never seen a picture of. No. And yet you loved it. And you, you were ready to risk your life to go see it. Yes. You get to Sudan. What happens? So we arrived to Sudan. We, we, we crossed the border. If not like the movie, like the movie, you know, to, to cross the border between Ethiopia and Sudan is not easy. What was the year? In 1981. And we arrived to Sudan. And in the way, on the way, because we lost a lot, a lot of people there in the way. When we arrived to Sudan, we were sure that after two days, one week maximum, uh, one in one month, we will be in Jerusalem. But we were in a refugee camp, and actually, and there is a lot of people died in refugee camp. You do you ever in your life now think back to those times and see faces of sick people, dying people? remember kind of like the shit you had to go through to get to here? Do you think about it? What if I... The, the faces. Yeah, of course. No, listen. Today, I even, I, I, I'm afraid to tell the story to my children. Uh, my wife, she used to tell me, please go to the, how do you say? Psych, uh, therapy. Therapy, yes, go. And I, I, don't, I don't want to go. Of course. There is a lot of something that I prefer to live there, to left, okay? I, I, I don't want to, to, go, to go back to the, this situation because people died around me. Yeah. There is no cemetery. And you were the lucky one. You, My, you made it. Of, this is a miracle. You know why I'm very all the time happy? Happy. Because for me, each moment in my life is present. It's not, how do you say in English, Muvan may love. Muvan is everything is understanding, okay? It's not understanding. It is a miracle every time because I'm, you know, I, I see this, you know, I, I saw all the trouble in Sudan. About 4,000 people. About 4,000 people which they died in Sudan. And my mom, she, in order to save my life, she sent to me by myself to, to Jerusalem. So, so you're in the camp. What happens then? Like, where does the Israeli Mossad operation to get our brothers and sisters from Ethiopia to Israel, where does that play in? And do you remember, like, tell us about the moment that, like, you're like, wow, it's happening. I'm going to Eretz Israel, and I'm trusting these new people who don't look like me. They're probably white Ashkenazi, yeah. you know, Israeli Sabras with accents that are foreign to you, and you go with them. Tell me about what transpired. My, my mom, she told me, Zode, next day at the night, some of people, they white, they will be here and they will take you to Jerusalem. Wow. Yes. yes. But un unfortunately, you go by yourself and we stay here. And I, I'm not exaggerating. It was very, very hard for me. And... In one side, my family, and the other side, Jerusalem. And I have to decide it. And I was, you know, how do you say in Hebrew, karua. But my mom, she told me, go, <laughs> go. And next day, at the night, sad, suddenly, two guys, white, they come to us and they took me, like the movie, Darkness. Is it first time you heard an Israeli accent? Yeah, first time. And suddenly, and uh, we, they took us to the, at, at the night, and I, suddenly I saw two trucks, two trucks. And they told us, go up to the truck. And I remember I went by myself to the truck, 
they help me, of course, and I sit on the corner, and suddenly, after five minutes, in one truck, you know how many people, Justin, you can't imagine how many people 60? can go into the one small truck? 150. Wow. 150 people. It's crazy. And no one complained. No one complained. Because there were no Ashkenazi Jews there. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and yes, yes, I agree with you. This is why. I agree you know. with, yes, yes. In Israel, all the time, complain. Yeah. You know, I have, have uh, someone told me a joke that uh, three boys, they uh, sit in the restaurant to eat something. One of them was Ethiopian, and the second uh, Israeli, and the third American. And after 45 minutes, someone came to them and he told them, sorry, we don't have any food. And the, the joke say in the Israeli ones, he stand very angry. What's a sorry? And he asked, what's a sorry? Yalla, yalla, what's a sorry? And the American asked, excuse me, what is we don't have? What is we don't have? And the Ethiopian asked, what's this food? Uh, anyway, this is a joke, you know. So, well, you move to Israel because there is no food, okay? Not right. because I'm Zionism, because I uh, love Jerusalem, because I'm Jewish. This is a stigma. Anyway, anyway, no, there is no complaint. As you say, Justin, maybe they are not Ashkenazi people. <laughs> and, and they cover us with a blanket. And I remember that no one moved, no one cried, no one screamed. Stillness. Yeah, silence. And the Mossad people, they were in shock. Wow, it's amazing. In Hebrew, say Mishmat. After, uh, you know, uh, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, I don't know, we, don't, we see nothing. Because we, you're covered. And, and we cover, we, we, they cover us with the blanket. So suddenly, I remember one woman. She began to scream. Ah! What happened? Ah! One woman. She was pregnant, and the Mossad, they were in shock. Why now? Pregnant now? Please stop! But when the baby coming, no one stop him, and they stop. In the corner, we go down, and the the woman gave birth, Mazal Tov. <laughs> but no one say no one. We have to be quiet. And I want to tell you, the woman she don't scream. No, she gave birth silence. Even the baby, when he go out, he he don't cry. It was silence. And the Mossad say, they are not Ashkenazi. <laughs> no one. They're not going to fit in in this and country yeah, if they're this quiet. <laughs> yeah. In this, in this time, I my first time, I drink juice. I never drink juice before. Never. The Mossad give us juice and I drink. Say, and I thought that I'm going to drink water. And I asked myself, why the water very sweet? Sweet. And I immediately, I remember wh when, what my grandma, uh, she promised to me that in Eretz Israel, everything is honey. And I, I thought that, oh, we are very close to Jerusalem because this is the water from Jerusalem. And I, I, they, the Mossad told us, now go, go back to the truck. And, we, and the Mossad continued to travel. And suddenly we stopped at the night because... And we hear a loud noise, but we can't see. And we afraid. And we began to pray. In Ethiopia, we pray with like this, with hand. Okay? No one can uh, see what I, uh, I like this. And we all the time pray, oh, please, God, 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 God. And suddenly someone opened the truck and he told us he was the Mossad. Please go down, go down, go down, and we go down to the from the out uh, to the truck, and and Fine. I see now something I never saw before. Water, a lot, a lot of water, and this is this was the sea. Red sea, red wow. sea, and I and I never saw the sea before. My first time to see the sea, never, you know. 
to see the waves coming at you without realizing that they stop at the shore, it is a very, very, very crazy. And I began to, you know, uh, uh, to shock, shock and shock, how do you say? Yeah, you were in shock. And shock. And I was sure that I immediately, I going to die. At this moment happened something, accident of history. From the sea, I saw people come from the sea. They were people, but they like angels. And they were Israeli commando, a shayetet, a commando, the naval commando. And, and I on remember- On boats, they were on boats. Yeah. And, and, and I remember they come to us, me, and he took me and he embraced, embraced me. Was he, who was more shocked, him or you? Listen, both of us, because they began to cry. You know, you can't imagine that. Tough guy, commando, you know, this is a, a two brothers and sisters, which they separated during 2000 years of exile. And suddenly we embracing each others in the middle of the night, in the middle of the desert in Sudan. And this is an accident of history. One of us changed to be more brown and the others make to be more white Ashkenazi, but on the roof, we are brothers and sisters. And this is something. And you know why I'm very, very happy all the time? Because I see all the time this moment. And I feel that I live in, in miracle. And this is a miracle. And they put us on the, on the boat and they took us from the boat to the big, big ship. But we have no idea where we were. We just know that this whole life... You're trusting these people with your life. We trust. Yes, yeah. of course. But they threw, they threw us to the candles. And and they dancing like... Uh, in the middle red, of the Red Sea on a boat. On the, yeah, in the boat. Big, big ship. Big, big ship. Uh, light, music. And suddenly, now we are in the boat. Big, big uh, ship. Yeah. And suddenly we thought that if the music, the candles, light, we probably we are where? In Jerusalem. So all the people which when we go into the ship, we see the light and the dancing and we thought that we are already in Jerusalem. And we processed ourselves and we kiss the the floor of the of the ship. And the commando, they can't understand why. They kiss the, the floor and we going to sleep. We went sleep in conception that we are already in Jerusalem. When we wake up at the morning, suddenly we saw around us that we are in the middle of the of the Red Sea. Okay? But we continue and we arrive to Sharem Sheikh, Sharem Sheikh in Egypt. And before this was before a uh, agreement, how do you say agreement? Before the Haskam, the before the peace agreement between Israel, yeah, Israel and Israel, and, uh, and so Sharem um, Sheikh, Sharem by control by Israeli, and from Sharem Sheikh, now finally, finally, we go up to the airplane, okay, no one ship, and from airplane, oh, Justin, I want to tell you, secret in airplane, I also got a juice. Oh wow! Oh yeah! Oh, it was amazing, and now we are, uh, we arrived now where to Jerusalem. The plane land? No, plane landed in Tel Aviv, and then you took a car in Jerusalem. Oh, wow! We can't get that these days. Listen, <laughs> just <laughs> for Ethiopian Jews, all Israel is Jerusalem. There is no Tel Aviv, Haifa, Afula. No, for Ethiopian Jews until today. Zion is Jerusalem. So all Eretz Israel is not saying No. Everything is Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And when we see, uh, in, when, we, when I was a, a little in our village, and we, when we used to say uh, bears, store okay and we believe that the store 
will be in she fly to Jerusalem, and uh, and we uh, used to uh, to to say to the birds, store store shimela 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 ageratin ageratin Jerusalem dena. It means store store. Please send our warm message to Jerusalem. Wow. And all the time, say yeah. So Jerusalem is taught to Tel Aviv. So we landed in Jerusalem. It means, uh, of course, just in, in Ben Gurion, yeah. Not to say, I mean, that's first class treatment if you land in Jerusalem, the in, airport uh, there. Maybe, maybe. If now, if the embassy of uh, state moved from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Maybe Ben Gurion should maybe, follow. Oh, yeah. Maybe Ben Gurion. <laughs> I don't know if it's a good idea, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll talk to our people. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, speak with the American people. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, anyway, uh, and you get you get to Israel, and yeah, it's the happiest moment of your life. Wow! But it's also one of tremendous sadness. Said yes, because there's only one member of your family, and that's you. So your the fulfillment of your dream meant leaving the people that brought you into this world, and that meant at that time, and still means to today, the most to you. How do you wrestle with the two? Uh, with my without my family. Yeah. Listen, I want to tell you that when we arrived in Ben Gurion, I uh, they took us to the absorption center in Afula, and uh, with with family, my family they know about is my like my uncle, and a couple months later I went to the boarding school, and I actually I was in boarding school, wow. and there I got a message that all my family have died in Sudan. All my family. Now I, as I mentioned before, uh, Justin, my secret is two secrets. Okay, one is that all each moment in my life is is miracle, and I all the time I prefer to emphasize on positive everything in light by you all. Okay, but second. Go, go, keep going, and never stop. And when I hear the bad, bad, bad news, I all the time say, I have to now continue and never stop. Never give up. Because my grandpa, he told me, go, go, keep going, and never stop. And I decided to continue. Even very, very hard for me. It was very, very hard. And I say, I now, I have to continue by myself as an orphan. Two years later, the head of this house, the head of the boarding school, he called me, Sharon, immediately, immediately come to my office, immediately. And I say, why the head of this house called me? I, I, if I did something bad, wrong, and I went immediately to the office and I sit down and I was very scared and suddenly he t- told me, Sharon, I want to tell you, about something. I'm happy. I'm happy to tell you that the message which you got two years ago about your family actually was a mistake. And all your family still alive. What was that moment like when you heard that? Listen, this is uh, like, you know, when I pray today, Mechaya meeting in the, in, 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 in Tfilah, in prayer, Mechaya Ametin is mean, uh, you know, what's the Mechaya Ametin? But when with the died people, uh, you know, go back, uh, come back, and they change to be alive again, okay? Mechaya Ametin. And it was a, 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 a moment that I never, never forgot, okay? I, I say, you, you, you liar. Really? Sorry? Yes? Yes. And he told me, listen, last night I had a big operation. The operation is Moses' operation. Operation Moses, and now they waiting for you in observation center, uh, Ora Akiva. Wow! And from Afula, I was in Afula, and took Ora Akiva is around a half hour, and they took took me to the uh, observation center, opened the door, and suddenly, I recognized my uh, my family. The first f- face that I saw when I opened the door uh, was my mom, which she passed away four years ago. Wow. In Eretz Israel. But I want to tell you, Justin, I still continue here. 
And I want to tell you that my journey in Israeli society is, I'm not exaggerating, is more and more difficult, more than my journey from Ethiopia to Eretz Israel. Not because is, I don't really love to say, ah, there is racism. Not, okay, it's not racism. It's something else. Because if, take me please, when I arrive to Eretz Israel, who helped me to, to, to come to here? Okay? Of course, we are activities and we, and we, and we believe and we pray and we are very hero. But in other side, there is only hero. Mossad, the commando, you know, Jewish people in America. And this is solidarity. Okay? And this what made this story to say to be excellent of history. Right. So I want to tell you that, you know, when I remember, when I, even I don't, I don't know how to sit in the bathroom. Okay? <laughs> even. And now, I, I found myself rabbi in uh, Ashkenazi Shul, which was established by Holocaust survivor. And I'm also a senior lecturer. I finished my PhD in Jewish philosophy. And I, I'm also, uh, you know, um, uh, head of the International Center for uh, um, Study of Ethiopian Jews in uh, uh, Ono Academic College and teach in Bar-Ilan University. So how I can blame Israeli society as a racism? Tell me, please. And this is very, very important that even if there is tension, if not in Israel, in the world, the issue is not between black and white. It's not all the time black and white, Muslim and Jewish. No, there's something else. And I think if we take responsibility about ourselves, And we care about the others. And this is a secret because the second temple was destroyed. Not because there is a secular people. Not because there is Ethiopian black and white. And all the people in second, uh, in second temple was Jewish. Religious Jewish. Even though second temple destroyed. Because sin at Hinan. And this is a very, 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 very thing to say. And so what is your role in the world and in this country, in this people? What is your role to use your story to power forward? What does that mean to you professionally, spiritually, religiously, etc.? You know, it's a good question. First of all, it's very, very important to say that Ethiopian Jews, each one have to say, Ethiopian Jews, it's me. As uh, Dr. Chaim Perry used to say, Ethiopian Jews, it's me. When I see Ethiopian Jews, through the Ethiopian Jews, I recognize myself. And because Ethiopian Jews, as uh, Professor Tova Hartman say, yeah. I, I change myself, my religious change. Okay? Right. This is very, very important. And I, when I see myself, my story, my community, I say, I think Israeli society and it, in Jewish world today, we got a, a present. And the present is Ethiopian Jews. Because Ethiopian Jews can teach us what it means to be Zionism. Yeah. What is to keep uh, the Jewish identity and all who seek to destroy us in Africa, we survive. Yeah. And we stay Jewish. And when you think back to that moment when you're reunited with your family in Eretz Israel, what song reminds you of that moment? What words remind you of that moment? And if you could share them or sing them for us, it would be powerful. Listen, when I pray in shul, I all the time cry. You know, especially when uh, we arrive. Okay. And suddenly I arrived to the Yerushalayim, Yerushalayim, At this time, 
I all the time cry because I remember the picture suddenly come to me, appear to me. How many people, they walk like crazy people and, and they died and they died. How many people, like they went by their foot and I know each one and, and say, wow, how many people they choose to die in order to, full, to fulfill the dream of two, Alpaim uh, Shana, it means two hundred years of exile. And this yeah. is, is something, something very, very special. There's one lesson, one sentence, Hebrew or English, that carried you through and lifted you through all that epic story. What was it? I think one word, Todaraba, is thank you. I, I mentioned before. When my, grand, my grandpa used to tell us the story, one day we'll be in Jerusalem. And I used to ask him, Grandpa, where will be this time? And he used to answer to me, now, now. And when I grow up, I understand that the, his grandpa also promised to him now. When I grow up, I understand that each generation promised to the next generation, now, now, during how many years? Two thousand of exile. And now we are here, we are here. And I think, I used to say, don't believe, don't believe to philosopher Nietzsche. He told us that hope is an illusion. And I answer, hope is not an illusion, hope is reality. And Todaraba is very, very important here in Israel. And to building, to building this country, to building Israel. Israel is miracle country. Right. So to destroy it, to destroy it is in one moment. So it's very, very important to say. Each person, if he know to say Todaraba for that, I think this is very, very secret of our survive. And in each, in, in instead of to emphasize the negative thing, we can emphasize the positive and we we can uh, bring more and more clothes one side to the other side secular religious reform conservative ashkenazi sephardi ethiopian russia and we can live like the ship from ethiopia from sudan to Israel under one umbrella well now from the the study of the first Ethiopian rabbi in the entire state of Israel, the, the rabbi of Kiryat Gat, the leader of the Ethiopian community in Israel. The t- only two words I can say to you, Todaraba, and thank you for lifting me and every one of our listeners. Um, there's only one difference between us. My grandmother did not do my circumcision. <laughs> 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 and thank God for that. <laughs> thank you so much thank for joining you. us. Thank you. Thank you, Justin. Thank you. It was amazing. Suddenly, it was like Shalom was struck by lightning, literally. His body was tenser than I'd ever seen it. He had forgotten to pick up his kid from school. So, he ran out of the house and apologized. He later told me we were so deep in conversation that he lost track of time. In truth, the unedited version of our conversation is close to 97 minutes long. The cliche goes, the past is the past. But that's BS, and we all know it. The past is always in front of us, recreating and reimagining itself for us to see in today's world. Shalom Sharon's past is filled with wonder. He sees it every day in his life and family history, unraveling before him in the country he calls home, in the kids he picks up from school, and in the smile that lights up a room, especially when he says... All Eretisel is Jerusalem. In a way, I loved this ending to my conversation with Shalom Sharon. It was abrupt and hysterical. It wasn't wrapped in a bow. Life rarely is. Why should this conversation be any different? He ended our conversation by running to his car. 
I started, 36, by running. After the journey of all journeys, he was running. He was running to his child's school in Eretz Yisrael, smack in the middle of the life he'd built for himself and his family. I couldn't help but wonder, what was I running towards? That day on the beach, the day I passed the runner, was I running towards wonder? Adventure? Excitement? Trouble? A good schwitz? I've been told I look pretty serious when I run. Blame it on Cher. Anyway, later that day, after I finished my interview with Shalom, I ran again, this time in the early evening. I have four rules in life. The first three aren't appropriate for a podcast about goodness and this ancient Jewish tale, so I'll spare you my ridiculousness. But for my fourth rule, my fourth imperative, never miss a Tel Aviv sunset that you don't have to miss. I was wrapped up in the season. I had earned this run. I wish I could tell you on this magical run, I ran past the runner again and struck up a conversation and conducted my final interview with him over cocktails and french fries. But I didn't see him that day. I tend to only see him or run past him when I'm deeply involved in something else, like watching a sunset with friends or on a Zoom call at a local cafe. As if this little ball of wonder comes by like a planet in orbit to remind me, to torture me, to excite me, to challenge me. What exactly? I don't know. That's the question. And that's maybe why I keep running. But that evening, in truth, I didn't care if I saw him. I met 18 wonderful souls whose work and existence make our world better. For a slight moment, a rare moment, I was content. Were they all Lamed Vavniks by design, by definition? Probably not. But in a way, they were to me. And then I looked and enjoyed the sunset. It was a perfect one, too. Enough clouds to make the perfect scene, but not too many to drown out the sun's rays. And as the sun began to set, I couldn't stop thinking about the people I'd met. I couldn't stop thinking about the sun and the moment it would rise again. And the question, when it rises, who among us would rise with it? Thanks for joining me on 36. This podcast is hosted by me, Justin Hayat. Our managing producer is Sarah Shemla. Our executive producer is Attila Samfalvi, and our editor is Robert Scarmuccia. This is a production of Soul Shop and sponsored by B'nai Zayn. Please rate and review this podcast in your podcast app of choice and share it with your friends, your butcher, and your shadchan. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again soon. Thank you for joining us on Season 1 of 36. We look forward to sharing more inspiring stories and conversations with you this upcoming summer on Season 2.